We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! I mean, I'm not even close to halfway, so I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I mean, your goal is to be the best player that you can be. Man, uh, I know I'm blessed to be around a lot of great players around me. And so right now, it's doing whatever I can to beat a great 49ers team and trying to get that third ring. And then if you ask me that question in like 15 years, and I'll see if I can get close to seven. But seven seems like a long ways away still. That's Patrick Mahomes talking about whether or not he will ever catch Tom Brady. And that's asking an awful lot. This guy already, by his own merits, is playing his way into the best of all time discussion. He's he's already there. Regardless of what anyone else has done. Mainly because the Super Bowl that he lost to Tom might have been his greatest performance ever. Here to talk Chiefs and Super Bowl with us is Ron Hughley. He's at Real Ron Hughley, afternoon host at Sports Radio 610 in Houston and a contributor for SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride. He is with us on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today and twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. What's up, show? Oh, boy. Not too much. I'm here in Vegas. It's day two and uh, the vices are already getting a hold of me. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can make it out of here by Friday. So um, how late did you stay out, sir? <laughs> see, my vices are not the ones that you would typically think of Vegas. See, the gambling thing, I, I'm good. I, I had a bit of an issue in college where I was traveling to Metropolis, Illinois, for three hours uh, at, at weird times, having, having an 8 o'clock class in the morning. So that kind of reeled me in. I stopped myself. I don't want to go too deep in that story. Uh, but but so the, the gambling part is not it. It's, man, I, I am a sucker for frozen drinks. And everywhere I walk, I see frozen daiquiris. Everywhere. I, I had five of them yesterday. I'm not kidding. Really? And, um, wow. Did <laughs> yeah, you get the one, the one on Fremont Street in like the long blue tube? <laughs> see, I, got, I, got, I got one from Fat Tuesdays with the long, long, the long blue tube. Well, I, and then there's one. There is. Listen, I swear to God, there's one right off the elevator to go to my room. And I've, I've worked that one twice. What? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's right off the elevator to my room. It's terrible. Then, Lawrence, I ran into a beer pong table uh, on my way up and I was there for an hour and a half I beat the hell out of the guy too I felt bad too but I was there for an hour and a half it, it, it got away from me the, it really you're it not really gonna did. make it to Friday no, he'll be sir fine. He'll, he's got to just got to build up he's got to just kind of get it going a little bit one he'll be fine the last time I had a frozen drink like that was in Vegas and I took two sips and I felt this horrible, horrible pain in one of my molars. Oh, And it yeah. was then that I realized I had a cracked tooth. And Ooh. I came home and you know, three days later had to have the thing yanked out of my head. And that was... That was the. That's the last time I've had any frozen drink. Did you also get crack or no? I but I'm you know, open to it. I'm not necessarily against <laughs> open it. Open to it. Sure. Just laced. Yeah, yeah I got sure. you. Yeah, I, yeah. I woke up, man. I, I woke up taking ibuprofen and acid reflex medicine. I mean, I'm fighting. Well, see, that's the problem. I'll, I'll ask you the question that that we had a conversation with Sean King. He was on the show. 
the, the quarterback, not Talcum X. And he said that the NFL is never coming back to Las Vegas. The Be- hell they aren't. Why? Oh, uh, no, it's it's like it's it's because it's a destination place and people are, and it's their first one. And, and you know, the infrastructure will improve. But I like I, I kind of like it because everything is tight and and enclosed that so you can go everywhere. Like opening night was right at the stadium, which is basically adjacent to Mandalay Bay where Radio Row is. So it's it's easy to move. Like I, I've, I've talked to people about the ones that have been hosted in Houston. And we just had the national championship game. So the stadium is downtown or is not downtown. It's it's kind of in the city, but away from downtown. And so everything was so far away. And Houston traffic regularly is terrible, let alone if there's a big event there. So I do like it all together. They'll figure it out. This is there's no way this is going to be the last time they have it in Vegas. I disagree with Sean, the quarterback. I was blown away by just how smooth all the Chiefs players sounded. And it's understandable because there's so many big stars. They've done so much acting. They're so comfortable in the limelight. I I don't know how it necessarily transfers to the field, but I would file it under can't hurt, could help. That they just, the the, the bigger the crowd, it seemed the more relaxed and conversational everybody was. It's just like, bring it on. We know how this goes. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you guys have noticed it. It is, it is kind of big for, for me. I've watched uh, Patrick every single uh, snap he took, covered him as soon as he came in the league, and still even in Houston have covered him from afar and, and watched every play he's ever played and, and, and caught a lot of content from him. He feels different. Um, he feels like a – we're bordering on a cocky arrogance. It, it, just the look in his face – if you saw them like walk out, like Travis has always had that cocky. Patrick seems to be, he looks like, he looks like the best way I can describe it is he looks like a 90s video vixen who knows everybody on the set wants a piece. Like that's what he looks like. I know I am the dude out here and nobody can touch me. He he seemed to used to have the the humble feel. He looks like like he he knows who he is and knows that he's the baddest dude in the building, and it it just it's a different look of confidence uh, that that he is showing off, and 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 it's 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 interesting to me to see this kind of flip, uh, which which to me is I, I think putting them more into the space of I've been wondering are they are they villains are they hated because they're winning or they hate it because people just don't like them I like, think are they LeBron I think they they're LeBron or there. Draymond. I yeah, think they're yeah. getting there, like especially we we were having a conversation yesterday about how, you know, for for me there's there's a rooting interest in Patrick Mahomes because I feel like he's playing defense with everyone in his life, like everyone in his life is is making his life harder, and yet he is still out there doing whatever it is that he needs to do to try and win games. It's it's kind of amazing when we hear coaches talk about distractions all the time and the idea of. We don't want any distractions. This has been a year of distractions for Kansas City, and yet here they are right here on the doorstep of winning another championship. Yeah, like this is their, I, I believe, their second weakest team that they've ever had. And and you 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 see that they've still gotten here to this to this place, and they're in the Super Bowl with a chance to win it. And uh I, I yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. I don't I don't know who's gonna be next in his family. Uh, hopefully nobody else for him, but uh, come on, Dad, Pat Sr. Um, yeah. uh, you know, as you roll through, we'll see if Randy can keep it together. 
the rest of the way. But I, I, it is it's just an interesting thing. I've been I've been looking at them and I felt like, all right, the Chiefs have turned the corner of being hated because they win. But now, it, and I heard you, Lawrence, I think you were talking about it last week when I was listening in about you're starting to make a turn on a, on a, on a different field with the Chiefs. No, in, in terms I, I'm, of I'm not there no, yet. No, he I says he understands I, it. I, I recognize how other understand. people could. Like, I, 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 I can see it like you could because they're ubiquitous. It's not just that they're winning. It's also they're everywhere. If you watch any football game, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and sometimes Andy Reid are there. And then you add in the the Taylor Swift effect to it, and people are like, man, I can't get away from these guys, plus they're winning. There's a lot there. And, and I compare it to what, what we saw with the Bulls, where the, the winning helped, but also they're everywhere. So Was it that bad with the Bulls? Like, I, that's the part I don't remember. I, I, I mean, there was no like social media. Hated. Yeah, All yeah, the Bulls yeah. were wrong. The Bulls were definitely hated. Were it, they like this? Oh, like this? Oh, well, we can ask the person who covered them because Dan actually covered them. Yeah, talk to Knicks fans <laughs> or Pacers fans or Pistons fans. Yeah, yeah, but but okay, okay, yeah. The the people that he he absolutely crushed the, the, the Bulls crushed, but like the the league, I didn't feel like the league hated. Like I feel like if the, you weren't directly impacted by the Bulls, you were a Bulls fan. Like I, that's what I, my 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 memory of it, and maybe that's me because I lived in a city that didn't have the NBA in Kansas City, and everybody loved the Bulls. Um, and 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 so I, I guess I don't know. Maybe I think the social media part that you you bring up is 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 a real good part to that. That it may have been different if it would, could be expressed, but it didn't to me feel like the Bulls were like the Chiefs are becoming or like. Well, let's um, let's put it this way, Ron. They didn't give Jordan the MVP because they were tired of voting for him. Some of those people were here, though. I know, I, but but that's what that's that's, that's the level of what we're talking about. That the guy who was clearly the MVP, they were like, you know what? He's too good. I'm gonna vote for Carl Malone. Dumb stuff like that. Well, that that's really aged well, hasn't it? Yeah, you talk about give one it. of the all-time <laughs> bad guys Carl. ever. Mm-hmm. It's Carl Malone. Yeah. yeah, gross. The worst human beings walking the earth. He's up there. Yeah, yeah, he's up there. I don't know, man. I it's just it it's an it's an interesting dynamic of where the Chiefs are and 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 how people hate them. And and this Taylor Swift thing. You're right. Travis and and, and Mahomes specifically are there. And it's interesting to me with those two because I have said this. Uh, a lot, and I think this is a big part of this Super Bowl. Like to me, the story of the Super Bowl, what it should be, yes, Mahomes, but what it should be is the Chiefs have a chance to to have their defense to be put into a historical conversation if they have a huge game against the Niners and hold them down like they've had other teams. But just like in Chicago, it is it is difficult being a teammate. Of, of of Michael Jordan because everything goes to him. It is difficult of being a teammate of Mahomes and Kelsey because everything flows to them and people like Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed and the defense, which has carried this team to this point, um, is being left out. Like if you go look at what the defense has done, and people people were so busy last week talking about the Ravens two weeks ago, excuse me, talking about the Ravens and Mahomes, but really the like the best unit in the NFL, I believe, is the Chiefs defense. And if they if they win and hold this Niners team down with all of these monsters, like 
that will add to me, and you start to look at it. They haven't had a 300-yard passer on this year. They have uh, they have held 17 of their 20 opponents under 20 points or less, right? They, got, they had an NFL team that has Devontae Adams on it for three quarters, couldn't complete a pass in a game. Like they have, this defense is insane and and should be viewed the way that way. And I think if they have a performance against the Niners, they may. But it still will all flow to Kelsey and Mahomes, and that that, that you got to be you got to be a special teammate. Obviously, Scottie Pippen has never re- recovered from it, but you got to be a special teammate to be to be on the team with those guys. I don't think they mind it. It seems to me like they look that at that. Chris Jones does. Well, <laughs> would he like to be a bear? And and yet, Chris, Chris I'd, I'd be down with that. Chris Jones got a lot of attention yesterday. He was terrific, and and, and spent a lot of time talking long form in a way people haven't heard him before. I thought he acquitted himself terrific. No, he, yeah, he does. I mean, and, and they've got some characters, and they're good. And, and Chris is good enough. Like, I think there was a part of it with Tyreek Hill where it was like, dude, man. You know, you, you all just keep saying I'm good because of Reed and Mahomes. Like, I need to get some of this equal credit as well, and let me get up out of here so I can get it. it I'm just saying it's a special, special thing. Like, to me, like Mahomes, to me, has been amazing. But this defense all year long has been ridiculous and one of the best I think we've seen in the last decade. But, but they don't get the conversation because of where the orbit goes to. And – uh, you know, hopefully they have a performance and they get their just due uh, because they were being talked about last two weeks ago. Like they they weren't even on the field. Like there wasn't another defense out there. And 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 it's crazy because the Chiefs were on TV outside of the Cowboys more than anybody, and they have had these performances defensively like this. So we'll see. We'll see what happens on on Sunday and and, and if um, if the, if they get their credit. But if it goes like the game and the season has gone, the Chiefs defense will be probably the number one factor of why they win the game. What does concern you about San Francisco? Christian McCaffrey. Um, and, and it's not as much running the ball. Like I, I think, like I said, I think the Chiefs defense is the best unit, unit offensively or defensively, defensively in the NFL. But their biggest Achilles heel is backs out of the backfield uh, in the passing game. And, uh, and he is the best at it. Uh, Cook has killed them with it with Buffalo multiple times. They've they just Austin Eckler over the years has has done it. That's to me is the the biggest issue. Like for me, the corners and the receivers, I feel really good about for the Chiefs because Snead and McDuffie and that crew. Um, I mean, if you just go look down the list of the top receivers they face, they've shut every last one of them down, every one of them down. But it is. It's more Kittle and, and McCaffrey and, and McCaffrey out of the backfield is the number one thing that I would say scares me. I saw that if the Niners win, Christian and Ed McCaffrey would be the first or the second father-son team to win a Super Bowl with the same I believe it was the same team. And I was saying, well, who's what what other father-son team has done this before? And I was racking my brain, and I was mad that I couldn't get it. And then when I saw who it was, I wasn't mad. It's who was it? It's Steve Diossi and Zach Diossi. Zach yeah. was the long snapper for the Giants, and Steve was also on the Giants when they won an earlier Super Bowl. I'm like, well, not mad at myself. Yeah, you weren't yeah, going to get that. Nope, not didn't ever. have that one, Dan. Yeah, didn't have that one. <laughs> I, if you had that one, you are there's there's something wrong with you. I would think. 
Well, Ron, we appreciate you jumping on because we we know that you you went hard. Uh, we we really hope that you you make it through. He's going to be fine. I, I, I'm concerned. Had, nah. had had this been Thursday and he said, "I just got to make it to tomorrow." That's one thing. But if if he's he's five daiquiris in on the first night, man, I, I just can't turn him down. I don't go get him, baby. Is. And they and, had a they had a strawberry pineapple uh, uh, a mix. My goodness, boy, it got me. I'm thinking about it right now. And he's gonna now. he's gonna get off the elevator, and it's gonna be right there. God. That's the problem. Yeah, so he gave me a dash. He gave me a dash. He gave me a dash of Red Bull in there too. <laughs> Man, come on. That's how they get you. Pumping in that oxygen and giving you free Red Bulls. Go get it, baby. Have fun. Go have go have a good time. All right, fellas. That's Ron Hugo. This is like how I felt when our Airbnb in Paris was right near the metro station and the crepe stand that was always open. And like every time I passed the crepe stand. It's like, why not get a crepe? I'm in Paris. Yeah. Why am I? I'm not going to come. How soon am I? When am I going to come back? So, yeah, but it's, that's not Las Vegas. You you can go back to Las Vegas pretty quickly. I know, but still, it was the, it was the idea. You're here. It's special, and they're awesome. So why wouldn't I get a crepe? That was me doing tequila shots in Mexico. Every time I walk by the bar, yeah, I'll do a tequila shot. Well, what if you had a house with with bottles of tequila there, like we did? <laughs> then then R- what? I don't rich think I would made it rich back. guy problems, Dan. Oh. We drained it. Well, by the last night, we were sending them out for more tequila. We went, God, we went through so many bottles. Who are these people who don't know the Carl Malone story? What? Yeah, this guy. Why are you guys hating on the mailman? Because the mailman's a horrible a, human yeah, being. The mailman's a statutory rapist. rapist and well, bad, there's bad even news. more. But go yeah. ahead, just look it up for yourself. Google is your friend. Uh, Kaylin Kaler is our friend. Yes, she's out there too. We can talk football with her next on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I feel like Shanahan would be a Ravenclaw, McCaffrey. I feel like we have the character to all be in Gryffindor, but I don't want to say that because that's just boring. I'd put Christian and Slytherin because he's just kind of got that, like, he knows a lot of people. Oh, it's my tight ends. What's up, Dwelly? Dwelly, what house would you put Bosa in in Harry Potter? Harry Potter, what house is Bosa? I put Shanahan and Ravenclaw. Yeah, I put I put McCaffrey and Slytherin, too. Bosa's Gryffindor. Brock Purdy, Hufflepuff. <laughs> Thanks, Dwell. Uh, I'd go Gryffindor as well. That's George Kittle having fun with his interrogators, so it's a day for that, and... I was giving credit to just how loose all of the Chiefs seemed. Kittle isn't going to shy away from a camera either, and he's going to make the most of an opportunity like that. And good for them. They should enjoy it. It's supposed to be fun. 
Covering the Super Bowl and joining us is Kaylin Kaler, senior NFL writer for The Athletic, who is with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, CircaLasVegas.com, Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670, the score. What was your experience like at the big rollout in the big room? Yeah, so I learned um, the first few years I went to a Super Bowl, I actually was never here for media night. So um, I would come on like Wednesday, like midweek when the team availability started. And then um, I would see, I think a couple of years ago, I went to one and I was like, oh my God, this is insane. This is absolute chaos. But then I figured out last year that it's actually super productive if you just avoid the podiums. Like it's hard because especially this year, like the, if you guys saw the sweats that they're wearing this year, they're like just dark gray. And there's like, the logos are very small. They're, they look like, um, like, I don't know, like a Costco brand version of a Super Bowl warm up. Like they're not exciting at all. So it's kind of hard to identify the guys who aren't at the podium. Like they just blend in with the rest of the media. But if you stay away from the podium, so like I, I never heard that fun, you know, Harry Potter reference from Kittle because I was nowhere near George Kittle. I'm like, let me go find some 49ers assistant coaches who would never be available Correct. during the yes. year. Yes, yes. Um, Kalen, one yeah. of the most interesting finds was covering the Super Bowl between the Patriots. I want to make sure my memories are the Patriots and the Packers. And then Patriots defensive backs coach Bill Belichick was, oh my God. was talking to <laughs> was talking to nobody. And they, probably no one. Yeah. And nobody. They, and, they, and they have to talk. He was standing there by himself. Like, yeah. that's the beautiful yeah, thing about it is that the rule I, is that I, they have to talk. I walked right up and just had a, yeah. some on the record, some off the record, and just talked football with Bill Belichick by myself for, for 10 minutes. That's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, you'll never you'll never have the opportunity again. Because, like, all the all the people who don't really cover football who are here, they're swarming the podium, right? Correct. And that's all the annoying people. Like, the Blue Man <laughs> Group was so annoying. <laughs> Sorry to the Blue Man Group. Like, they were just obnoxious walking through you know distracting players who were trying to ask or trying to answer questions they would just like stand there and do their like miming thing um so yeah if you just stay away from that it's great like I got to talk to you know Chiefs quarterbacks coach for like 10 minutes by myself um he actually worked at Northwestern for a few years he was a uh, I think a graduate assistant there in like 2014 to 2016 um which is how he ended up at the Chiefs because he knew Mike Kafka Northwestern, my capital is in Kansas City. Anyways, so like I got to talk to him for 10 minutes, which is cool. And like that would never happen um, in another setting because like, you know, he might be available once a month. And then like for the Niners side of things, I got to talk to Clay Kubiak, who is their assistant quarterbacks coach. And someone like that, if you're an assistant position coach, you are not available ever unless you request them. And the team might make them available to you if you said, if you had a good reason that they liked for you to talk to him. But, but, probably they're not going to give you a hit. So that was really cool. Um, and I actually got to talk to like probably like four different Niners position coaches that, you know, I've never met before and um, wouldn't have the opportunity really to speak to. So that was, that was awesome. And so that's how I do media night now that I am experienced veteran reporter. Yeah. I actually think that that's, that's the way to go because you're going to, you're going to get the transcripts of anything that the, the guys yeah. sitting in the booth said anyway. And, why not take advantage? Because there is a lack of uh, transparency now when it comes to talking to NFL assistants. And you almost never have time when you're at a facility because you're covering like the stories of the day. So being being at a place where you can actually get, talk to someone 
like, like I had a relationship with Dave Tobe because when he was here as a special teams coordinator. Yeah. So when I was at the Super Bowl four years ago and the Chiefs were there, I was able to talk to him on the record for 15 minutes about Devin Hester and all sorts of other stuff, stuff that quite frankly, yeah. he would rather talk about than what he's got planned for, you know, his opponent that week. Right. So so it's it's always cool to kind of be able to to sift through and talk to folks and connect with folks that you never get a chance to talk to on or sometimes off the record. Yeah, it was really cool. And like, it's only stressful because you're the players numbers that they were wearing were like this small, like on their sweatshirt, like on the bottom of their sweatshirt. So you really had to be super obvious. Like, who is that? Like, who is this number 80, whatever, like, you know, pulling up your roster. So they were sort of hard to identify, but also, you know, they're all really, it's kind of a relaxed, even though it's like a chaotic environment, it's also sort of relaxed. So everybody there is just like, hey, I'm, I'm like, I'm looking for Brian Greasy. Where's Brian Greasy? They're like, oh, I saw him over there. I'm like, go that way. Um, so yeah, once you once you get it down, you know, you can really navigate it and be very productive at it. When it comes to to what you're interested in from a matchup standpoint, what's what's on the top of your notepad right now? I mean, I think what Steve Spagnolo is going to do, I mean, honestly, I think, well, I think a lot of things. So I think the Chiefs are interesting this year because, you know, as we all know, like their defense has been kind of the story of the season. And so I think that will be really interesting to see how, uh, you know, they match up against Brock Purdy and the Niners offense. And we've seen Brock Purdy struggle at points throughout the season. Um, I think the Browns game comes to mind. That seems like a long, long time ago now, but like, um, you know, that Browns defense really did a good job of shutting him down and that Niners offense down. Now they did have some injuries in that game um, on offense with some of their uh, playmakers. But I, I think, like, Steve Spagnuolo is going to be really interesting. And, you know, he's kind of the identity of that Chiefs team this season. I mean, obviously, it's always going to be Andy Leeds and Pat Mahomes. But, um, you know, Steve, the, I'm sure you guys saw the players all wearing shirts with his face on it um, two weeks ago at the title game. So, I think that's going to be really interesting. And just to see like how Brock Purdy will infuriate us this game uh, and see if they can come away with a win despite that, because he's really, you know, we love underdog stories and the Niners are not an underdog as a team, but Brock Purdy is very much an underdog as a quarterback. As we know, he's Mr. Irrelevant. Um, the fact that he's somehow here in this game um, and the discourse around him is just hilarious of like, you know, he's like the check down king and um, kind of like the polar opposite of Patrick Mahomes in the sense that like he's when he scrambles, you know, it looks it's not very impressive, but he will somehow get a first down. And you're like, how did that just happen? So I think Purdy is in a really interesting, um, you know, storyline here, too. And. And I think the Niners are definitely motivated to come away with a win after, you know, not achieving that the last time they were in this spot um, against the Chiefs. Were you at Goodell's press conference yesterday? Did you get one of the golden ticket invites? Because yeah, it's, yes. Well, so what what were your impressions of, of how he handled this particular handpicked group? I'm actually writing about that right now because the whole format was really weird. Like I didn't get, I got a text invite last Wednesday, so not even a week ahead of time. And I had already, by then, obviously booked my Super Bowl flight. And I was supposed to be getting in at like 1.30 Vegas time. 
And this press conference is going to be at three, but they were very specific that if you arrived later than 2.30, you would not be getting in. And you had to have a separate credential on top of your game week credential. So it was like a whole process of like, you needed to pick up your game week credential because then media night was happening right after the um, commissioner's press conference in the same place. So you couldn't go back and get it and whatever. It was a whole, it was a whole thing and it wasn't really communicated. And I actually talked to the, um, PFWA president, um, Kevin Watkins, who covers the Cowboys. Um, and he said that he wasn't even informed about it in advance. He found out last Thursday about the change. It was not only a change in the the fact that it's invite only, but it was a change in the date. It used to be on Wednesday. Before that, it was on Friday. So every time they've changed the day, um, they're getting less people going to it because like, as you guys know, as Super Bowl week goes on, like more people arrive. Um, and Monday, you know, if you're, if you're covering one of the two teams, you're going to get here on Sunday, but if you're not, you're probably arriving on Monday. Um, so to have the commissioner's press conference on the same day that like a lot of people were flying in, like, I know one of our reporters, Mike Jones, his flight landed at like, well, it was supposed to land at one. So he could, probably should have made it, but Biden's, um, airplane, I guess was like putting everything on hold and he was, his flight landed like an hour late because they were circling because of Biden. So he didn't, he couldn't make it to the press conference. And it's just like, he was invited, but he couldn't even make it. And um, he, could, he tried to get on earlier flights that day and he couldn't get on. So, you know, Calvin Watkins, the PFWA president, and that's kind of like, it's not a union, but it's sort of like our union. Like they um, speak with the league and the NFLPA to make sure that reporters have access, kind of being the voice of the reporter um, to make sure that we can do what we need to do and like hold them accountable. And so Calvin said, you know, anytime you're limiting who can ask the commissioner a question, like that bothers him. And it should bother us all because, I mean, yes, you need to meet a minimum standard to like be credentialed for the Super Bowl. But it's like, if you're credentialed for the Super Bowl, then why can't you be credentialed? Why can't you be qualified to speak to Goodell? And the league told me that their, um, you know, reasoning for this was that they just wanted to um, cut down a number of people who were in the room because there would be a ton of people in the room and, you know, only a small portion of them ask questions. So like, that makes sense, I guess. And then they said other commissioners kick off their um, championship series, like the first day by talking, which also makes sense. But, it, but with the context of what happened last year, where Jim Trotter, who at the time worked for NFL network really pushed the commissioner on the diversity hiring within the NFL Network newsroom. And it was kind of an uncomfortable scene between the two of them because Jim was like really holding Roger Goodell accountable and Roger was pushing back. It's just interesting that the year, the next year after that happened is when they make this change. And also the fact that it was in Vegas. Um, also the press conference was in the Raiders locker room, which was odd. Mm -hmm. um, and also I think that, that venue limited how many people could go. So I don't know if they chose the venue as a reason to limit the number of people who could go, or if they were like, well, we have to have it here because media night is right after. I don't know, but the room that they chose was intentional, was small so that only a certain number of people could be inside. So there was about 125 people, I think that were invited and roughly, roughly that much that went. So yeah, very odd. However, I did actually get called on this year, which is new for me. Um, so that was exciting. And I got to ask Roger, uh, there was a lot of gambling questions, obviously. Uh, that was, I think there were like four or five gambling questions because this is, we're in Vegas. This is obviously like the main topic. Um, 
And I asked a follow-up about like how many um, people who work for NFL teams or the league have been punished for violating the gambling policy because we only really know about the players. Right. Those suspensions become public, but the club and league employees don't. And I know that there were several Lions staffers who were the origin of the big Lions purge that happened over the summer where they had five players, four or five players, um, receive suspensions there. Well, and the, so the Jacksonville guy, right? The, the guy spent like twenty yeah. million dollars yes. embezzled at, yes. at, at, on FanDuel or whatever it was, and then yes. and the, the, the Jaguars were yes. asking FanDuel to give them the money back. It's like no. Yes. Yeah, and we actually broke that story at the Athletics, so I didn't reference that specifically because I didn't want to be like, oh, look what we did. You know, I didn't right. want to like do a whole like me 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 thing. So I just was like, hey, how many people can you say? Because Jenny Brentis at the New York Times had a really good story, came out a couple days ago just about like how the league, the league actually um, gave the most money. I'm, I'm not going to get this right. There's like a gambling. Um, I don't know if it's a nonprofit, but it's like the gamble, the people who put the gambling hotline out there on yeah. gambling ads, whatever the word for that type of organization is, the league donated the biggest grant they've ever received when they entered into the partnership with the three um, DraftKings, FanDuel, and whatever the third one is Caesars three years ago they gave the most that that organization has ever received. Um, and then Jenny got a quote from someone who works for the league office. She's like the VP of something. I don't know, social responsibility, I want to say. And she basically said like, we want to make sure we're not doing more harm than is, we, we want to make sure we're not doing like undue harm or something along those, I'm paraphrasing there, but it was something like that. So that was a really interesting story because it shows that like the league is aware that like gambling addictions are a consequence of being in the gambling sports gambling business. And Goodell was very specific to say, we didn't choose this. The Supreme Court did. So he was like, we had no choice but to get into this business, which I thought was kind of interesting because sure, I I guess like you don't want to be left on the outside, but like the reality is like they have, like the NFL is the biggest sports league. Well, and and he have, he can't act like he's a hostage, that. Caitlin. Like like, like, like what oh, am I oh, we, to do? oh right. the Supreme Court said that we had to oh <laughs> yeah. we're, oh we're we're being taken right. hostage by it. Like come on, man. Like that's yeah nobody buying that. So that was that was an interesting comment from him. I wrote that down in my notes. I was like, hmm, okay. But anyway, so Jenny's story, I forget why I got on this tangent. Oh, she she had reported that the league hadn't wouldn't reveal how many personnel, um, not players, personnel were punished for violating the gambling policy. And so then I was like, well, I'm dying to know how many, because I don't even have, I couldn't even ballpark a number. I just felt like it would be a lot um, that we don't know about. And so I asked him that and he said 25. And that doesn't necessarily mean 25 were fired. Um, It just means, because the way that I asked it was like punished or terminated. So I think if you bet, if you were a club employee and you bet on like basketball, for example, maybe you're not necessarily fired. I'm not exactly clear on like the punishments for staff. I just know that they're not supposed to gamble on any sports whatsoever. Um, anyway, so his answer was like not clear because of course I couldn't ask a follow-up question because they removed the microphone from my hands immediately, <laughs> immediately after I asked the question. Um, so yeah, but we know that 25 is the total. So someone from, someone from an NFL front office Right after I asked the question, a club front office texted me and goes, great question. He's like, wow, that's a high number. I kind of thought it was a low number. I agree. I kind of thought there might be more than 25. Um, that, that's so why I'm, I, I'm dubious yeah. of the actual number you got. 
Yeah, and but I was stunned that he gave a number at all. Like I did not, I actually was debating if that was going to be a good question to ask or not, because I was like, I like the specificity of the question, but he also could just be like, I'm not, no, I'm not answering that. And then I would, then there's no answer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was like, it's almost like a yes or no question of like, are you going to give a number or are you not? And I was like, I don't know if this is a good question to ask, but I just really wanted to know. So then I asked it and I was like, oh, that actually what, you know, I'm surprised that he gave a number, but yeah, it's like, is that, you know, cause it was kind of an estimate. He was like, I think the last I heard was 25. Kaylin, as we let you go, our previous guest said his uh, weakness in Las Vegas happens to be frozen fruity alcoholic drinks rather than slot machines or craps tables. Uh, anything that you know that you have to steer clear of lest you have uh, a, a night that you wouldn't want? Um, it's interesting. I am not really a Vegas person. It kind of scares me, the whole scene. Um, and just like being inside all the time and getting lost. Uh, but I would say, like I was looking at concerts, like I'm I'm just like looking at all the artists that are playing here. And so I think like my weakness would be like spending $300 on like a Bruno Mars ticket or like it's, Chris Brown. I'm told it's worth playing. it. I'm told that, I know, that the Bruno so, Mars show is absolutely worth it. Yeah, I, so I'm debating that. But also Cool and the Gang is playing Friday night and they're only $50. <laughs> I do like their music. So I was like, you should that go. might be the only concert. Yeah, I'm like, that might be the only concert that I can afford. And it'll be me and like some older people, but that'll be fun. Expense it. You know, it's, it's work. Yeah. Just say you're, you're doing <laughs> research and, you know, the athletic will be happy to take care of it. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> Kaylin, enjoy. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. When we talk big game here on The Score, our conversation is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, Solo Stove. Com. That was Kaylin Kaler of The Athletic. She's got a really interesting piece, too, that she's working on. Keep an eye out for it. It has to do with Mike Shanahan and, and, goes, and Kyle Shanahan and what they do to use, use video to record their assistant coaches' meetings. I can't wait to see what kind of research it uncovers. Back after this on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The Score. Join 670 The Score in Circus Sports, Illinois, for the big game party Sunday, February 11th. Benchmark in Old Town, Mully and Haw, Bernstein, Holmes, Rahimi, Park, and Spiegel broadcasting live from noon to 3 p.m., getting you ready for the big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. You must have at least $100 in your Circus Sports, Illinois app to attend. Doors open at noon. There will be live entertainment, obviously, and complimentary game day bites. Go to CircusSports.com to sign up for the invite and for more info. Parkins and Spiegel next in transition on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.